Look at him go. I didn't even have to tell him. Get out of here. Kids have a great time. At least they waited till the prayer was over, right? Maybe. I don't know. I had to check the tape on that. Not sure if they did or not. Everybody doing all right? Good. Hey, my name is Dallas. Uh, really glad to be here with you this evening. If you um, are a guest, uh, if you have questions about our church, reach out to an elder, reach out to a leader, reach out to me, uh, all that kind of stuff. But hey, we're starting a new series here tonight. We're going to be in the book of Exodus for six weeks, and I'm so excited to do that with you all. Um, and the reason we wanted to do that is because what we think about God is extremely important. The, the fact of how we understand God and how we understand the character of God really impacts and influences everything in our lives, doesn't it? And so we wanted to take time to really lean into the character of God so that we can also begin to trust Him more deeply through this series. That I think when we spend some time knowing the character of God, our capacity to trust God increases as well. So we wanted to dive deep into the book of Exodus to do that. And if I had to sum up the entire series, I'd do it like this. God's got this, and we don't. Very simply, God's got this, and we don't. And I thought about putting God's got this, and we don't got this. But then I thought, that's a, that's a whole other thing for Morgan to make fun of me on my grammar, right? But, but it's so true, isn't it, that God's got this, and we don't. And so the more we lean into that truth, I think the, the problems that we have really arise when we start to take charge of things that we were never made to take charge of. I think um, temptation at its core for us is us desiring to take control of those things when we were never made to. And so for us here tonight, I think we should imagine what it might look like for a community to really embrace the kingdom of God above our own kingdoms. I mean, think about a marriage. Think about a marriage when you have your own little kingdom, right, and you operate out of those kingdoms, and the problem is when those kingdoms have conflict, right? And that's, if you look at marriages, that is typically why there are arguments, is when two kingdoms conflict. But imagine a marriage that where both parties are after the kingdom of God together. Imagine what that would look like, the unity, the path forward together, right? And same with our community. What would it look like for us to say, God's got this and we don't? I mean, the fact of us letting go of all these things that we try to hang on to time and time and time again, and we'll recap a little bit of that here tonight. Starting with Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 through 3. I mean, you look at the story of creation in the fall. The fact that Adam and Eve felt like, you know what, I'm not sure that I trust God's vision here. Let me seek out, let me take charge of this, let me figure this thing out for myself. Or you take Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. You, you look at the fact that someone said, I've got to take charge of this other person's life. 
Or you take Genesis 6 through 9, the story of Noah and the flood. You, you see that humanity has decided we don't want to go that direction anymore. We don't want to follow God's way. We want to follow our own way. Or you take Genesis chapter 11 where people desire to have the power of God. And I don't mean out on loan. I mean they wanted to be equal with God, right? And isn't it interesting that we spend so much of our lives seeking more power and I find it interesting because I don't think we really do want that power when it really comes down to it I mean think about it if you know these people are trying to get the power of God but then you've got to take everything that comes with that I mean if God gives us his power and he loans his power out to us that's one thing and we want to be faithful and obedient with that but think about if you had the power to heal somebody I mean, you got to take everything that comes with that. You heal somebody and people find out about it. I mean, you can forget about Grace Meadows Church. If somebody like Matt, you know, comes in here and he heals somebody one day, I mean, we're, gonna, we're not going to have parking, right? He's not going to be able to go anywhere. The point being, we shouldn't be so quick to seek out power. And that's what's happened here in the Tower of Babel. People have sought out power. And not just God's power, but to be equal with God. Or you take the story of, of Abraham. If you go to Genesis 12 through 26, and, and Abraham was a faithful man of God, but at one point he stopped having faith in God, in God's covenant, in God's plan, and he committed adultery. Or you take the story of Jacob, who, who lied uh, on multiple occasions so that he could get ahead and get his position where he wanted it to be. Or you take Joseph's brothers, Genesis uh, 37 through 50, the story of Joseph's brothers saying, I got to take charge of this situation. I need to improve my position because God's plan here isn't working out and I've got to advance my position. This is what we've done time and time again. And in, in those stories, God time and time again has continued to be good and do good. I mean, the fact that, uh, that in the story of Adam and Eve and so many of these stories, he has preserved humanity. In the story of Abraham, he creates a covenant with Abraham. And when Abraham breaks that covenant, he makes a way for there to be reconciliation in the relationship. He provides the sacrifice and he provides the way forward. And here today, in our covenant with God, he continues to provide that way through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so for us, time and time again, we have got to realize the answers are not inside of us. I mean, the culture time and time again says, you know, you know, just, I mean, you got to be your best self, right? You got to, you, you need to go inward and figure out what it looks like for you moving forward. But we know that that's just not the case. I mean, doubling down on the problem does not promote a very good solution, does it? So for us, we can't allow that to leak in to our culture here at Grace Meadows Church. We have got to, time and time again, let go of things. Don't take control of things that we're not supposed to take control of. Give those things to God. God is good. God is the one who keeps his promises. He's got this, and we simply don't. Perhaps that's the most fundamental thing that we should learn from this series of Exodus moving forward. Now, before we get into Exodus, I'd love to just lay a little bit of groundwork. So if you go to Genesis, uh, the end of Genesis, uh, Joseph 
has earned favor all along the way. The brothers sell him into slavery, but he continues to just be obedient and faithful to God, and he becomes second in command in Egypt. And there's this great famine, and these same brothers who sold him into slavery are now coming before Joseph to ask for help in this famine. And so Joseph so graciously uh, offers them a place to stay, offers them food, all those things, and says, collect our father, bring him back. And so they, they stay in Egypt. And Joseph's father, Jacob, dies in Egypt, and Joseph dies in Egypt, and the brothers die in Egypt, and there's generations and generations um, of people, Israelites, living in Egypt. Well, one day there's a pharaoh, and this is far removed from the time of Joseph, so he, all he sees is that there are Israelites popping up everywhere, that there, there's a lot of growth, and that there's um, such a community there of Israelites, and he starts to lead in fear. He starts to lead in paranoia. He says, um, I've got to do something about this, because what if one day the Israelites turn on us, and they decide to partner with our enemy, then we're in trouble. So he says, we got to do something about this now. What we're going to do is we're going to enslave the Israelites. And not only that, but we're going to ramp it up. We are going to uh, kill Israelite babies. And so this is the time where Moses makes his entrance into the story. Uh, Moses' mother decides that the best path forward for Moses is to put him in a basket send him down the river because he would be killed anyway. And sure enough, the Pharaoh's daughter sees the basket one day. Moses is alive, and she takes him in, and she raises him. Well, one day when Moses is just about grown, he sees an Egyptian treating an Israelite very unfairly. So he goes over in his anger, and he kills that Egyptian. And word gets out of what he's done. And so now Pharaoh is coming after him, so he runs away. He gets out of Egypt, as anybody would do. He said, I got to get out of here. I got to run for my life. And this is where we're going to pick up the story here in Exodus chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those, and we'll be in Exodus chapter 3. Now, while you're turning there, a couple days ago, I'm sitting and eating lunch with a friend of mine, Brad, who goes to church here. And I'm talking to him about our church and the church growth and all that. Now, God's been doing some really cool and good things here. And I said, you know, you know, Brad, my big concern has never been that we would not grow a movement. I said, that's not my biggest concern. My biggest concern is that we would grow a movement, but we would not be growing the kingdom of God. And so we talked through that, and I said, you know, I'm trying everything that I do, everything that I plan, I'm really trying to protect against that happening. So when I you know, do a message, I'm like, should I say this? Should I not say that? All these things. And he quickly picked up on my anxiety over it. And he said something like, you know what, Dallas? All the great revivals of the past really didn't have a whole lot to do with the leader. He said it didn't have to do with the leader and all the little decisions that they made. He said the great revivals of the past had to do with diving deep into the scriptures and being on our knees in prayer. And so for us, as Grace Meadows Church, that's our way moving forward. I mean, that's our way moving forward at the start and at the end. May we be a people 
who continually dive deep into the scriptures and pray and be committed to prayer over and over again. So, tonight, it's exactly what we're going to do with the rest of our time. We're going to pray, be in the scriptures, pray, and be in the scriptures, and we're just going to see what God has for us in that. Mark, if you want to make your way up, I'm going to pray, and he's going to read from Exodus 3. Father, I pray that you'll just bless this night. Holy Spirit, intervene here tonight. I pray that you will just continue this movement. I pray, I'm so thankful for what you've done, and I just pray for exponentially more, God, because we know you're so capable. I mean, you've done so much, and and Father, I pray that uh, there will be a revival, but not just in numbers, but in hearts and in the kingdom of God. Father, I pray for just a radical move in this community, and I, I pray that it starts with an understanding of the truth of who you are, because you are so good. I mean, your character is so good, and so, Father, I pray, help us. Help us get a little bit of a glimpse. We know we can't see the, the full picture of who you are, but give us a little bit more understanding here tonight of who you are so that we can lean in and trust you more deeply here tonight. We love you a whole lot. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Moses and the burning bush. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of the Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, as Moses said, here I am, do not come any closer, God said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your fathers. the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the land, from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Nice. And now the, the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is also that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, 
the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Amen. Thank you, Mark. I just love, <laughs> Moses says, who am I to do this? Who am I to do this? And what is God's response? He says what? He says, I will be with you. Again, it is his power. It is not our power. It is God. God is the one who's doing it. And sometimes we can have a little bit of a, uh, an insecurity of things. But, but e- even in those moments, we've got to remember, you know what? It's not about us. It's about God. What God is doing. God is powerful. And he's, if he's called you to it, he's going to see you through it. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for this example of, of just the fact that you desire to work through your people. And Father, I pray that you'll give us a little bit of belief here tonight that, that you do desire to work in us. Help us to, to take away the thoughts of, you know what, I've got to take charge. You know, you want to take charge. You desire to take charge in our lives. So help us to be a people who do just that. Father, we're so grateful for you and we're so thankful for what you're doing. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, if you'll turn to Exodus 4, Brad's going to come up and read from that. We're going to start here um, in, in verse 1, uh, Exodus 4, 1 through 17. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, it was leprous, like snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. 
I am slow of speech and of tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak, and I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take the staff in your hand so you can perform the miraculous signs with it. Amen. So once again here, we have a gracious God who says, I'm calling you to it, but not only that, but I'm going to help you to see what I'm doing. And it's this idea of authority. That to Moses in his mind, his authority is, I can't do these things. But God says, I'm the one who gave you those things. Trust me. Right? So for, here, for us here tonight, where is the authority in our lives? It doesn't stop with our own abilities, or is it transcendent of our abilities to a great God? Because God's got this, and we don't. Let's pray. Father... Uh, we thank you for your grace and your mercy towards us as we doubt you uh, time and time again. You, you come back to us and you say, uh, here, let me help you. Father, I pray tonight that you will give us a little bit of sight of that like you did here with Moses in this chapter. I pray that you'll just uh, continue to help us to see what you're doing. And Father, I pray also that you will uh, help us to remove any barriers in our lives that, that keep us from embracing the fact that you really do desire to work in us. Father, if there are things in our lives here tonight that, that you are feeling like, you know, once those things are gone, then, you know, you're really receiving me into your life, I pray that you'll reveal those things to us. If there are things that we need to be encouraged by here tonight, about your love, about your mercy, about your grace, I pray that you will present those things to us maybe in a new way here tonight so that we can believe once again that you really are for us. Father, we love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. So after this, Moses does go to confront Pharaoh, and then things only get worse initially after that. And it's at this moment that I think a lot of us would do what the Israelites do. We say, okay, God, I have acted in faith. I have heard you, and I'm going to go. But then we go, and we feel like Right at that moment, that's when God should do his part, right? That we don't wait on his timing. And I think when we do wait, if we can be a people who wait, we will see very special things happen in our lives. Let's pick up the story, Exodus 5, verse 22. We'll read 6, uh, six through 8 thereafter. No, sorry, 6 one through eight thereafter. Uh, Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you have sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on his people, and you have not rescued your people at all. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Man, praise God. I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. What would happen in our lives if we truly believed that God wants to free us of whatever that thing is, whatever bondage that we have, that God truly does want to free us? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that time and time again, you desire to free us. I mean, we're the ones who have messed it up. We're the ones who get it wrong time and time again. We went through the whole book of Genesis, and yet you're so gracious to your people time and time and time again. Father, help us to believe here tonight that you really do, you, you, you find joy in restoring people to you. And so, Father, if there are areas in our lives tonight that we're just holding on to, we're trying to take charge of, man, I pray for a little bit of belief that we can give those things to you here tonight. And to know that those things are in good, capable hands. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, what would happen in your life if you truly believed that God wanted to free you here tonight? And Brad was right that, that all great revivals begin with us being in the Scriptures and being in prayer. Why? Because that is our way of saying, God... <laughs> I can't do this on my own. I mean, I, I need to know you more deeply, and I need to come to you and ask time and time again for you to work. So here tonight, there are things I know, because I'm a human and I experience this every week. There are things in your life I know that you're trying to take charge of here tonight. And I want to encourage you, during this time of worship, to come to him and let those things go. Because if you do, those things will be in good, capable hands. And some of you here tonight are holding on to things and taking charge of things that are just really good. That you want to love the people around you. That you're saying, I've got to be available to them. I've got to love them. And that's a good thing. But we've got to remember, again, that God's got this and we don't. So the fact remains that we have first got to receive that love from him before we can ever give it to anybody else. 
So here tonight, I, I know a lot of us have good intentions. I mean, good intentions of saying we're going to be wrung out for our family. I mean, we're going to be wrung out for our job. We're going to do all these good things, but yet there's no capacity to do them. Why? Because we're taking on things that we were never made to take on. That our fuel comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's why all great revivals start in the scriptures and in prayer. Why? Because our work looks a lot different than we ever thought it did before, right? It's not us white-knuckling it. It's us being on our knees, working to fight against what the culture's saying of it's self, self, self. No, no, no. It is fighting to be on our knees and say, God, it is you. I mean, God, it is you. It's got to be you. I mean, it can't be us. It's got to be you, Holy Spirit. So tonight, if there's anything that you're holding on to, man, give those things to him. The altar will be open. There will be deacons and elders here to talk with you as well. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you that you pursue us. We thank you that you continue to pursue us time and time again. Father, thank you that you always keep your end of the covenant. I mean, you've always made a way, even for the, the sacrifices, when we don't keep our end, you have always made a way, and you have made a way through the blood of Jesus Christ here tonight. And Father, I pray that you will help us to receive that truth. I pray that you'll free us of the bondage once again, just like you did in the book of Exodus. I pray that you will just do that again here tonight in our hearts. Father, your kingdom is everywhere it's here on earth, and I pray that you'll give us a little bit more of a glimpse of that kingdom here tonight so that we can see, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be glad to give up. I'd be glad to give up my own kingdom because this kingdom of God is so good. And Father, I pray if there's anything in us as, as leaders, as uh, a congregation, that just we need to remove so that we can embrace more deeply and more fully your kingdom, Father, please reveal those things to us. Father, please just penetrate our hearts and, and say, Dallas, you know, you, you, you're going this direction, but I need you to go this direction. Father, I pray that you'll do that in our hearts and, and, and help us to really have a posture of open-handedness to say, yeah, God, I, I just trust you because, because you've got this and we don't. Father, we love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen.